Hello and welcome to our At Any Rate Emerging Markets Focus podcast, a place for us to discuss recent developments and key issues of focus in the emerging market fixed income asset class. I'm Johnny Goulden from the Emerging Markets Strategy Team here at JP Morgan, and I'm joined by Saad Siddiqui, also from our Emerging Markets Strategy Team. Saad, thanks for joining. Hi, good to be here. So it's certainly been a ride for EM and global markets so far in January after December's really bullish squeeze. We've had a sell-off in the first few days of the year. We then had a bit of stability and strength in, in week two, and now we are in week three. We are selling off again as EM and the rest of the world uh, prices out the degree of Fed cuts that we had uh, priced in. Um, we've generally been looking at EM local markets, at least with a positive stance, given the overall backdrop of slowing growth in 24, cooler inflation, central banks and EM that are cutting and broadening in that. And eventually, uh, we should be seeing some DM rate cuts coming as well this year. And that feels generally like what the big picture for the next six or so months should be. But certainly, it's been choppy so far in January and, and not the grabathon rally that we saw certainly last January and some other recent starts to the year. So let's spend some time on, on this podcast really discussing uh, the EM market themes that are on our minds and investor minds. Uh, and Saad, let's start with the big picture question and how worried we should be in emerging markets about the fact that the market is having to reprice the extent of Fed cuts. Um, I'll give my own thoughts. Also, really want to know how you're thinking about it. Uh, I've basically thought that whether the market prices in a 50% chance of a March cut or 80% uh, is not something that for the you know medium-term outlook for EM should be that consequential. It feels like it's relatively bounded in a narrow range on both sides or maybe a wider range on both sides. If it's not March, then we'll likely be talking about May or June. Um, and the big question is really about the direction of the Fed. Uh, you know, I think the view is at JP Morgan and elsewhere that the Fed is going to be cutting. Um, but the pace of cuts seems more like a detail if you're trading front end US rates um, and probably early before we need to focus really on the sort of 12 to 24 month question of how many cuts are we going to get eventually. Um, do you think that's a bit too relaxed on that question? And how are you seeing the overall big picture question here? So for all our sins, Johnny, we're fixed income strategists rather than equity strategists. And in the fixed income world, I think it's all about the magnitudes in one sense. It's all about how much is being priced in and is it, do we think it's going to be more or less than what's priced in by the forward curves. So I think for rates markets, at least, not least the US, but for you know, for those central banks that the market trades as being closely linked to the Fed, such as you know, Mexico, for example. Um, also, this, this question you've asked also uh, applies to ECB and, and how Central Eastern European banks uh, might be reacting to shifts on policy there. So uh, I think in, in that sense, the magnitudes of pricing does matter, particularly for local bonds, because those are you know, where that's where you have inverted yield curves as well. To be long local bonds on an FX hedged basis is a negative carry trade. So, uh, you know, the the, the kind of the, the precise 
path matters. It's not just about the destination, but the journey and the speed of that journey matters as much as the destination. Now, I think for the riskier bits of the asset class, I think you're you know, I think that's where your comment really applies more for currencies and probably for for the credit part of, of the universe, the higher yielding bit of the universe. Uh, there, it's really about the environment that we're in. And the environment is not going to shift because we're taking 125 basis points uh, Fed uh, move from one quarter to another quarter. The environment is going to um, be relatively immune from those types of of timing issues. So in that case, it is more about destination and direction rather than the pace um, per se. Uh, I'll end with a bit more of a provocative thought, which is, you know, we have that old adage for monetary policy that the hikes, you go up the stairs and the cutting cycles are down the elevator or down the chute. So given in this last cycle, we had 50 and 75 basis point clips going up the stairs. Should the market really not price in the chance of having to go down uh, the elevator as well? Um, so that comes down to on a probability weighted basis. There are scenarios that you can think about, whether it's a hard landing one or kind of a sharper slowdown, where potentially you know rates could need to go down by big increments. And I think the market cannot discount that possibility either. Got it. Thanks. So let's move on then to interpreting some of the market moves we've seen and what, if anything, they contain for forward-looking uh, lessons for us. And looking at EM currency, certainly a frequently asked question uh, is why do they seem unable to rally? And, you know, in some sense, it felt like uh, when the market was pricing in more cuts, EMFX didn't really rally significantly when it's pricing them out. It's been selling off a bit. Um, what do you think is driving those EM currencies? And and is it just about the front end of the US rates score, or is that a bit too narrow as well? I think it's hard to interpret FX movements in the last couple of weeks. There have been various moving parts. But having said that, if we zoom out, we had a very strong rally at the back end of last year once treasuries had stabilized once we had you know, further confirmation of better inflation data, once the Fed's narrative had begun to shift as well. Uh, so you'd expect that after such a strong rally, some type of consolidation, taking a breather is going to be inevitable. Maybe um, you know, we need, do need to in the very near term, depending on what the Fed's going to be saying and the Fed speak that's going to come out in the next couple of weeks, especially um, at the next Fed meeting, Maybe they will push back potentially against the magnitude of pricing right now. Maybe they won't, but that is going to be, uh, I think, a factor driving volatility in the very near term. Uh, but coming back to the environment, which was your first question, uh, I think if we are really genuinely seeing some type of policy pivot in the making here, both in terms of rate cuts coming, potentially QT on the cards, to be ceased uh, earlier than people were expecting as well. Um, then I think you could have the Trinity coming together for EM currencies being you get a policy pivot, the valuations in EM currencies. Well, if you think about the valuation of the dollar against EM currencies on aggregate, it does look expensive. It is in real effective exchange rate terms, looking at 
look like it's at multi-decade highs. Um, and then you just need one more thing to complete that trinity, which is the flows. Because we had all the outflows. Uh, we had significant outflows. That's something we've documented both in our year ahead uh, piece late last year and in other pieces as well. But we've had you know, a big exit from emerging markets, emerging market bonds. But it's just not about EM bonds. It's the whole enterprise of cross-border flows about foreign portfolio purchases by G4 investors had really collapsed. So we're now all waiting, holding our breath for the inflows to come. They haven't really come yet. What are you expecting there, Johnny? Can we complete this trinity with, with inflows or is this going to be the year? And if so, when? Yeah, so the reason this is is probably a big surprise and it's certainly something that has, you know, is putting a dampener on investor sentiment is that historically strong returns would lead to strong inflows. Last year, we had 11% returns in, in MB. We had 13% in, in GBIM. Usually, you would have expected, I don't know, 40 to 60 billion of inflows. We had 34 billion of outflows following a year of very large outflows the year before. And those cumulative outflows, as, as we put some of the charts, they look like a crisis period, even though when you look at returns, it clearly wasn't a crisis period. So, you know, what is driving this is probably some cyclical and some structural reasons for this. Um, uh, the cyclical, really, we've talked about the linkage between um, the liquidity environment and particularly central bank balance sheet changes uh, and what impact they seem to have on a lag basis on EM fund flows. So last year, you actually had uh, you know, central bank balance sheets coming down um you know when maybe a, a simpler way of putting it is when dollar cash is at five and a half percent um you know the competition for assets is just uh, uh the higher the bar is higher for em and generally historically we've seen in those environments you don't get a lot of inflows uh into em um so you know that is likely a a you know meaningful reason i think there are issues around hurdles for yields which various long-term investors have and when they can generate those hurdles or get above those hurdles in asset classes which are nearer to home treasuries or or high-grade credit uh then they they it seems historically don't go as far as putting money into em um there's also another somewhat cyclical reason which probably explains a bit why hard currency which is usually done better in terms of flows did not do that well last year and that's big and that's to do with the the makeup of the default cycle on the asset class there where you have the phenomenon where um, the bit of the asset class that investors really want to buy, which is the non-distressed part, has actually got quite tight spreads and valuations don't look great. And then you have a bit of the asset class, which looks more interesting and, and better value, but that's really around distress stories. And that's not as attractive to end investors who are looking to, to sort of come into to the asset class for a long-term investment at the moment. Um, I think the good news, both of these should improve this year. Um, you know, as you said, we're going to be, hope, you know, our, our strategists and economists put out a note uh, also talking about QT ending sooner and, and actually the overall program size being smaller um, in terms of that. Um, you know, if we're talking about Fed cuts, all of that should help in terms of those push factors 
uh, into EM in terms of those pull factors, we should be seeing a number of these distressed restructuring stories in the EM in Frontier actually exiting that process in the first six months of this year. Uh, and so some of that should get a bit better. And, and some of that is, is why we think inflows will actually improve as the year goes on. So we sort of argue the next six months may not be too dissimilar to what we've seen last year. But after that, hopefully things should start to, to improve. There are some other more structural reasons around long-term growth differentials with EM and the local markets asset classes had long-term issues around the sharp ratios being quite low um, due to FX underperformance. But, you know, some of that should also be improving that that last factor as sharp ratios will look better as years go by. And, and uh, that has also been part of what's led to that FX valuation issue in EMFX that it's now looking a bit more attractive. Uh, so certainly a dampener on investor sentiment, this theme. Um, I guess the silver linings are firstly, last year showed that we don't actually need those flows to perform, but also as the year goes on, we think things will probably get a bit better on that front. So Sar, coming back to you, um, one fundamental set of developments that seem to be being seen in EM is that inflation is surprising to the downside in many places. And do you think that's a fair characterization of the picture? And, and is that actually for markets causing some differentiation in rates markets along those inflation surprise lines? Yes, to, to some extent, that's true. I think when you look underneath the hood, however, um, there are some interesting developments and regional variations taking hold uh, over the last month or so. Um, and that includes, uh, first, a lot of the downside surprises a bit more on the headline inflation side. But if you look at the trends taking place for core inflation, that's where I think some real interesting things begin to emerge. So if you look in Latin America, for example, it seems that the trend of disinflation has slowed down, if not slightly begun to stall or even reverse in places like Colombia and Mexico. So um, you know, I think that's interesting versus in Brazil, it seems still to be continuing um, as it was. Um, even outside of Latin America, you can see uh, a pretty decent, you know, if you look at the momentum, just the three-month annualized numbers for core versus headline numbers in Central Eastern Europe as well, we are seeing a divergence. Headline was looking better, core um, a bit less so. I don't want to read too much into um, just kind of uh, one or two observations, but I think we are getting into a phase now, and this is the important um, con conclusion as far as the investment strategy is concerned, is that I think markets and investors are going to start looking at inflation developments more with a fine tooth comb and the all-encompassing narrative, which prevailed for much of last year of broad-based disinflation from very high level, central banks opened the doors for cutting rates. As you now begin to see rate cutting cycles, you know, get into from, from the intro, introductory earlier stages into kind of a more mature rate cutting path, um, these types of divergences and details on inflation, I think are going to matter. Um, quite a bit more. So uh, I think that is going to be very important. At the long end of yield curves, I think the Treasury 
10-year treasuries are still going to be setting the tone for for the for the direction there uh, but certainly i think to your question about inflation uh, over the last month or so uh, i would um uh, i would think that we should start paying more attention to some of these underlying details because the picture all looked the same two or three months ago it didn't really matter you put whatever label of the country on you had the same type of qualitative picture and now it starts to look a bit more differentiated but you know we started this discussion about em inflation em rates and flows but i want to now turn uh, the conversation to the credit space johnny we've had a big rally and a big tightening in credit spreads as well at the back end of last year um you know we had been recommending uh, more constructive bullish positions in the high yield space but even those have rallied quite a lot so the question is have we priced in all the good news even in those high yield names now yeah mostly uh unless you get to the really distressed part of the market so triple c and and i think um and some single b so let let's break it down we we've sort of been making the point um that the higher rated bit of the em sovereign index so if you take out the triple c the rest of it in december actually traded around the lows of the last cycle already so not that much value uh, and that's why we've held off from a, an overall more positive top-down view on on em sovereigns despite a fed pivot and, and other other type things um but even if you look at the only slightly high yield bit of the market so the double b rated segment spreads are already also around 2018 lows so even in that bit of the market you've seen quite significant um, spread compression. So that really just leaves single B and triple C. I think let's deal with each. Single B is probably got some room that it can still tighten. And I think that's where many investors will will like to be. Uh, we're still about 100 basis points above the last cycle lows. Not that high in spread, but it's got some room to compress if the environment is one of lower volatility, improving liquidity. We have an IMF, which is very supportive, it seems at the moment, uh, and that can probably help uh, that bit of the, the asset class. Uh, I think the part of the market that really remains much wider in spread is, is that triple C rated part. Um, so this widened about 3,000 basis points from 2021 to 22, we're still about 1,500 basis points wider, so about half a retracement. Um, some of those countries are not exactly distressed anymore, special situations, so Mozambique, El Salvador, uh, and there actually you have seen a bit of a rally along with uh, the rest of the border market. But for lots of the others, you know, when we think about them, they're really about restructuring processes. And so they have not come back because we are still working through those, be it in Ukraine, Ghana, Ethiopia, obviously defaulted in December. So you're not seeing those really trade with beta, and really they shouldn't do. They should be treated as their own restructuring stories. Um, there is definitely some value in that part of the market. It's where a lot of our focus has been, um, but we don't think it's just a beta play on the Fed. I mean, it's really about uh, trying to work through each one, uh, and, and they have been quite varied over the last three to six months. Yeah, in terms of some, you know, bonds going up, some some have been coming down. So uh, our own views typically focus on these triple C and even single B opportunities. Um, 
Um, but you know, you asked about high yield. Actually, the double B bit of the market actually has already been uh, coming in and and doesn't look that great value to us. So, thinking about as we uh, move on, Sard and and specific situations, one market uh, that investors have been debating with a lot of interest right now is is Turkey or or Turkey, uh, which uh, we've recently written about. Do you think 2024 is going to be the year that uh, we see a turnaround and that we see investments come back more sustainably there? That's right. I mean, this is not the first time that uh, investors are anticipating a policy turnaround in Turkey. In the last few years, we had it in 2018. We had it again in 2020, 2021. So is it going to be third time lucky? Um, I think. You know, the policy shift that began in the middle of last year um, has probably been a pleasant surprise for a lot of investors so far because they started off very skeptical. Um, and now that some of the adjustments are beginning to show up in the numbers, uh, it is generating some more interest. I think there's still a lot of skepticism out there about um uh, about how far the adjustment can run, how much more policy action is going to be required. Is there going to be policy continuity as well? So I think a lot of those big questions are still unanswered, but at the very least, at the very least, I think investors are going from, you know, a year ago, we had, you know, local market investors at least had fully exited the market, um, the foreign ownership, had hit rock bottom. And generally speaking, there was consensus that you know there are very little or few compelling investment opportunities in the in the fixed income space. But now that interest is coming back to life, uh, whether it's going to you know sustain or not, I think is like I said, it's 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 really time will only tell. Uh, we do have a more detailed podcast about this as well, which we put out earlier in the week and a note uh, as well that I think sums it up is that we've got high hopes, but we're still um, cautious. We're continuing caution. Uh, we don't think there's a big beta trade in Turkey, fixed income assets. So we are a bit more selective. Our corporate colleagues like some of the corporate credit. Um, that's probably the better pick out of the different um, assets uh, for um, uh, on on the menu, FX as well uh, is is one where we think total returns can be reasonable. But local markets, I think, are probably going to be in the sequence of attracting interest are going to come a little bit later because the currency has been on a depreciation trend, and I think investors would like to see some stability first before they really jump in. Great, and that brings us to the end of this JP Morgan at any rate emerging market focus podcast. Thanks to you, Saad, for joining today, and thank you all for listening, and we hope to have you back again with us for the next one. This communication is provided for information purposes only. Please refer to JP Morgan Research reports related to its content for more information, including important disclosures. 2024, JP Morgan Chase & Company, all rights reserved. This episode was recorded on the 18th of January, 2024.